Welcome into the show, Paul George, Deacon Adam Cock in studio. Music only you would hear on this show. That's right. We're just talking about that. I uh, refreshed the library. Oh, thank you. Of music, yes. And I like this one. It's pretty good. Yeah, this is stuff you're only going to hear on this show. And I won't tell you why or how because we might get sued. But and what a lot of I'm people kidding, no might not know about the old deacon or the young deacon is that you kind of have an, a, I don't know, an eclectic set of gifts. You know, you, you preach, you teach, you, you lead, you do, and then you're a musician as well. Like, so you, you kind of. Yeah, I'm about a four at all those things, <laughs> a 10 at none, <laughs> but I'm a lot of fours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the old saying, the, the jack of all <laughs> trades, the. Master of none, yeah. But it's okay because you're a jack of all trades. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a jack. You know, like, you're like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. I can figure it out, make it happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, that's something we promoted the school, uh, John Paul the Great Academy, and then Blessed to Serve as well, is that, you know, humans can do lots of awesome things. And so we kind of resist the urge to just put people in a certain little niche that they never get out of, you know? Right. Like, hey, explore all the awesome things that you can do, that God can do. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I like exploring. Yeah, but... As you've learned, I'm sure as you've grown, right, in, in your life and age and leadership and fathering and husbandry and just all the things, as you, you do learn to focus in on your gifts and like what, you know, what oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. things that you're... Well, that, that, that's the important thing about vocations, right? Because vocations are a little different than, let's say, uh, gifts in that vocations or the calling God has to give meaning and purpose to your gifts. Right. Right? Like all the gifts I've been giving, given either natural or supernatural, or not for me, but for the building up of the church or the building, you know, it's mm. it's for the mission of the salvation of souls, which my vocation is my primary way of doing that. And so, yeah, we have to be, we all have to be level 10 on our vocations. Like that's the goal. If we're level four on finger painting or something else, that's okay. Unless... To do our vocation well, we have to finger paint. Then you better become a 10. Right. Or just <laughs> effort. Right. The effort. Effort's good. So anyway, thanks everyone for being a part of the show, listening in today on the podcast or on the radio. Kind of a crazy week this week. I mean, we celebrate a lot of things. Of course, the beginning of November. Mm-hmm. Welcome. We, you know, we had All Hallows Ween, right? Mm-hmm. The Eve before the Holy. Mm-hmm where we just get candy and go nuts, but really it's a holy eve mm-hmm. of the holy, which is All Saints Day, which is November 1st. This week we celebrated All Saints Day. We don't often think about how crazy that that feast day is, like that, you know, it's a it's a holy day of obligation for a reason, but like we honor, and, and this is something we talk, we just end up talking about a lot on the show, is saints. Yeah. Well, when I teach about... Um, all Saints Day, and I have that privilege to to talk about it with others. In my own meditations of like, it's kind of wrapped my mind around today, I think about the first moment I'm in heaven. Do you ever think about that? Like just that that first time, first moment. jump in that ocean of heaven. Mm-hmm. But I think about how through God's gift of the beatific vision, I will be able to see all saints, all, everyone else in heaven at one time. Because mm-hmm. I'm not just seeing with my physical eye, but like my my soul will... Behold the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Thomas Aquinas, you, because you'll probably be there before me, 
Um, what are you saying? <laughs> Either I'm going to die before you or I'm holier than you. Both. Oh, okay. Um, but like all these, just this multitude, this ocean of people that love the Lord, and I can see them and their relationship with God. Like I, I don't just see them on a surface level the way I see people at the supermarket. Like I see them and their connection to God is completely visible to me, and I'm seeing it all at once for the first time. And I'm going to imagine my mind just being blown, right? Like my my heart exploding with this experience. That's what we celebrate on All Saints Day is like that reality that God has assembled for himself people from every tribe and tongue, people and nation on earth to love him for all eternity, and we get to enjoy that for all eternity in heaven. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, the lives of the saints, and we'll talk more about that, but, you know, they're real people that we can look at and know, and, and we're intrigued by them, but they're real people with real stories and whatnot. I mean, so we, we celebrate that, and then the next day is All Souls Day, where we're talking about death and, like, people in purgatory and praying for these folks who are in purgatory, just purging for their, you know, their, their sins, and then, you know, we have plenary indulgences, and it's just, a, it's a wild week, man. You know, like it's it's just crazy, and it's smashed in like before we begin Advent. You know, in a few weeks, mm-hmm. you know, which is crazy to think about that that's coming up, and we're kind of sandwiched, and then boom, it's like this big crazy week in the church, and then the rest of the week we're talking about death and like all these scriptures from the Gospels about heaven and death, and it, I don't know, it reminds you a lot this week of your mortality, which is kind of depressing, and yet. The sainthood portion, the heaven portion, is hopeful. It's joyful, right? It's it's not depressing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as long as I'm in right relationship with God, there's nothing to fear, right? This is a... Archbishop Sheen talked about that, um, that when he talked about judgment, uh, his judgment or the judgment at the end of the world, he he always promotes with people the idea of confidence. Like, if, if you find a fear in yourself about that idea... Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's not good, right? Like in a certain way, we should tremble because we're going to be judged. But in another way, if we're being judged by a friend, there's nothing to be afraid of. You know, if we really know Jesus and know who He is and know how much He loves us and have a relationship with Him, then that moment, as great and terrible as it will be, is a moment that our friend is calling us to. You know, so there's this confidence, there's this hope, there's this expectation that we should have, and not. You know, not wanting to talk about death, not wanting to talk about judgment, not wanting to talk about whatever is a kind of a sign we don't know Jesus because hmm. he talked about those things a lot. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, speaking of fears. Oh, boy. And death. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, I actually have a have you seen. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? Okay, this is pretty disgusting. Awesome. And for real. Okay, and not to celebrate death. But, like, here's the reality is, like, how we're going to die. Like, we all have fears of that, right? Like, it's just, you know, your mind kind of goes places. You're like, well, it's, it's inevitable. So it's not how, it's when and, mm-hmm. and that we are, right? And we, we're kind of in that week of, like, saints and death and purgatory and, you know, all this, like, it just feels like it's a sort of a manic week. Mm-hmm. Like, up, like, up and down, you know, darkness, light, you know, just, like, it's That's life. Right. It's it's the the Paschal mystery. Okay. Anyway, so this poor woman in Indonesia, fifty four years old. They call her a grandmother, which she, she is, but I mean, she's still young, right? Yeah. At least in a our young standards. Granny. Yeah. She's not an elderly person. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is a horrible way to die. Like, so I don't know if you have like a. Do you have like a greatest fear of how you might die? 
Like, is it like you? It's weird, but yeah. What is it? <laughs> it's it's weird. Okay. But the thing I find myself most worried about not dying from is uh, hitting a deer while driving on the interstate. Mm. And it like comes through the windshield? Yep. I've actually heard of that. So like in Arizona, people would have whistles on the front of their car. You you can't, we can't hear them, but animals can. And it would scare them because when you drive up into the mountains, like in Flagstaff, there's a huge elk. That's a great idea. Okay. I can order this whistle and no longer live in fear. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you just put it on like your front grill. I didn't know about these things because, you know, we... We have deer here, but they're not like flying across the interstate. No, not like a, over there. No, much. But there was a story where you know an elk came through someone's windshield and then stabbed them. You know, is that your fear? Can I yeah. make that just yeah. more image? I know that's weird. I mean, it's not snakes, it's not alligators, but well, this one does actually have to do with an animal. Oh boy, yeah. So this woman, Indonesia, was walking. They don't know exactly what happened. If she fell or whatever. But two days later, God bless her soul, they found her uh, inside a 22-foot-long python. Mm. Obviously not alive. 22 feet? Yeah, the, the, the snake had swallowed her whole. Swallowed her whole? Yeah, yeah, they found her, her body. Um, <clears throat> yeah, snake, I mean, is there a, anyway, it's, it's kind of really her? disgusting. Well, they, they have a picture of the snake with, with like the bulge of... For real? Yeah, yeah. But I I didn't want to look any further. Wow. Mm. That kind of blows my mind that that could happen. I know, right? And that does seem like a frightening way to go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we all, you know, have like these crazy thoughts or fears. Here's the reality. I think what the church is, you know, kind of calls us to focus on is like not the how. Like it, it, it's unfortunate. Like we're not going to live on earth forever, but we're not created for that, right? Mm. My wife reminds me of this all the time because I have a tendency to worry and think about like, you know, things that I have no control over, mm. right? I, so maybe maybe some of you guys who are listening kind of feel the same way. Like, I, I think a lot of our worry in life, if we were to nail it down, comes down to worrying or thinking about things that we don't or can't control, right? Yeah. Like we can't, control like the fact that we are going to die now we can control some things like when like yeah i'm going to be healthy i'm going to take care of my heart and you know my diet or whatever i'm not going to smoke and i'm going to eliminate some of the things that could like kill me sooner certainly we should be prudent and smart in that way yeah but the reality is like you can be the tom brady of the universe and have all the you know father time will catch up with anyone it's undefeated or sister snake it's undefeated, right? Mm-hmm. Like you do not win that battle. And the beauty of this week is that Jesus does remind us, the church reminds us of our mortality and our immortality at the same time. Well, I think that's a profound insight because, I mean, that is the cross. The cross is both death and life at the same time. Right. It's the death of God, but it's the life of the world. Um, that That mystery, which is coming to terms with our mortality and our immortality is really the same thing. It's, it's mm-hmm. coming to terms with life and the life God calls us to have. Interesting. Yeah, but see, the, the thing is, is like for me, and maybe for you, is if there's not a glimpse of hope, if we don't understand that eternity is an option, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, eternity is the option, but like eternal life, life with God, like not eternal death and hell. Right. Like, then there's no hope. Like if we don't have that, then if, if we're only created for this earth, man, that's pretty depressing because guess what? Like we're all dead. 
eventually. Yeah. yeah. And our life has no meaning. There's no purpose. Like we don't get to live forever. And this is like why we look at the saints and their lives and the lives they live because they've achieved the goal of eternal life. They've, they've run the race, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, atheists make some uh, decent arguments for their positions sometimes, and I think it's important to kind of engage in those arguments in certain say whatever. But the one that is the weakest that I've seen, I've never seen resonate with people, is when they say, uh, you know, Christians claim that if there is no God, there's no meaning to life. I think the exact opposite. Because everything's completely random and because everything's by chance, I think how lucky I am. And I want to live my life to the fullest because I know this is the it. You know, it, it ends in the grave and there's and I'm, that doesn't resonate with anybody. <laughs> like, right. are you kidding me? Like, the idea of heaven actually makes you less wanting to live and the idea of no heaven makes you want to live your life. That's just not true. Right. I mean, to give our life meaning and purpose, the only way is that this life can't be it. And every human being that's ever lived knows that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's important to love your family. It's important to live a good life on earth. But there's something in us, which is God, who, who put his, his thumbprint on our soul when he created us, that like it, it's a hole that only he can fill. That as great as this life is, this can't be it. We're created for much more. And uh, that is an essential aspect of humanity that if we deny and cover up and just whatever, that's the most depressing way to live. Right. And the other argument is that, you know, if there was a God, why would God allow such suffering and pain? Right. Mm. And the, but the reality is that our suffering pain that we have in earth, you know, as living as fallen creatures, right. Isn't forever. Yeah. Like we don't experience this worry and fear and suffering forever. Like we, get to live in total harmony and peace, right? Forever, right? Th- yeah. This is a minute, you know, small period of time. Yes, does God want us to live abundantly? Does he want us to be happy, joyful? Does he want us to have peace and vision and and comfort in who we are, know our identity? Yes, all those things. And we can live happy and peaceful and joyful but at the same time, we can't eliminate suffering. The only mm-hmm. way to honestly to live happy and peaceful and joyful is to actually incorporate the reality that we're imperfect, that there is suffering, there is pain. And when we begin to embrace that and understand that through that, the cross has deep meaning. Some of the holiest people I have ever encountered uh, in my life, like, you know, here on earth and in reading of the saints had this beautiful embrace of suffering mm-hmm. where they've actually found peace and joy in embrace, whether it be physical suffering, emotional suffering, um, financial suffering, whatever suffering that, that they endured, they, they, they were able to move that into a place where they found joy and peace in Christ like that, that can't be eliminated. And I, and I do find that there is a piece of the church, maybe not like, in fragments of the church, you know, other denominations and whatever that try to eliminate this idea of suffering, and you can't do that. Proper hope in heaven gives us the patience we need to suffer. And I think what you're describing is two misplaced hopes. One is that God never wants us to suffer, and so heaven's going to be... Um, making earth like heaven means we want, we're going to prosper and never suffer on earth. That's not, that's not the idea. Heaven 
can only happen through the suffering of the cross and the suffering of uh, what God has in store for this life, because that's what prepares us for that kingdom where there is no suffering, where God wipes away every tear, but that's not yet. And it's amazing how impatient we get because our hope is so shallow. Like we, we don't meditate and contemplate enough the mystery of heaven and how amazing that is. St. Paul talks about this, like that makes earth seem like rubbish. Every suffering we experience, every pain, it's just not, it's nothing compared to the glory that God has awaiting us. And if we're not meditating enough on that glory, enough on that calling, we have very little patience with our neighbors, with our illnesses, with our inconveniences. We become little divas in, in this world, like, yeah. I will not tolerate. Mm. And we, we forget that the saints tolerated much, mm. much. Um, our Lord tolerated much in his earthly life because of the glory that awaits us. Mm. Amen. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, actually, we have a, an interesting, weird Catholic stuff. And, and <laughs> Deacon Adam got a gift that he's going to share about. We'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George. Adam, the Deacon Conk Presidente in the studio. Uh, great show. We're like on show like two, 219. 19, almost 220. Wow. Yeah. That's what time it is. Two, so thanks, everyone, for 19. listening in on the podcast or on uh, the radio here, KLFT in Acadiana, South Louisiana, where it is 80 degrees in November. Yep. Not complaining, though. No, no, no. I'm not going to complain at all. Speaking of not complaining, you got a gift. Yeah, I did. I was so excited. You were so excited. Well, apparently when uh, a man like myself signs up for a grit group. Yes. Which starts Which starts next Monday. Week. Yeah, Monday. For me, and there's a Tuesday group. Yeah. Um, you get a pretty cool gift. Yeah. Well, you get a workbook, and that's not the cool gift, but like that that, is cool. that'll go. It's uh, a really cool workbook. Yeah, you were actually you were actually surprised. You like you did this, but <laughs> the actual gift you get. Actually, and, what was what was my question? Um, and look, I went a little. Uh, you know, I got a little. The question out of, was, who did you get to do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the question. And I admitted I didn't do it. I, I wrote it, but I didn't right, right, design right. it or you know. I'm, no, it's it's really awesome. I mean, every day has um, every week has these amazing reflections. And it's really designed well. Hmm. Kudos to you and your team, sir. Yeah. No, we talk about our gifts. Like I'm not a designer or a formatter. or you know, I wrote the content and kind of had it edited and whatever for the workbook. And the great groups start next week. So if you weren't able to get in on this round, I'm going to do another round of men's groups um, probably into January, February. I'm going to start another round. But the gift you got, and I got a little out of control, I must say. But I like the out of control, Paul, I guess. Yeah. No, I got this really manly pocket knife. It's twice the size as I thought it was going to be. It's huge. I'm glad it's twice the size. Yeah. And it has engraved on it, holy grit, on a wooden panel on the knife. On the side, which yeah. is 
So I'm gonna uh, carry this throughout the grid group, yeah. at least as kind of. And I wanna. I know people can't see it, so I'm gonna click it, and you can hear it. You heard that? <laughs> that was the knife being. Is un, I don't know what you call that. Opened. I opened the knife. Yeah. And then I closed it. So yeah. thank it's, you, man. I think every I'm guy excited. needs a knife, a pocket knife or a knife to, you know, cut boxes open or things like you always need a knife and a screwdriver, or, you know, some tools, even if you like, you're not like the most handy of person, like a knife always comes in. It's true. And handy, like, you know? Yeah. And I think every woman loves a guy who just pulls out a knife is like, let me get that, honey. <laughs> I got that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's true. Like if I she mean, says, where's the scissors? I'm like, I got that. I got, I got a, it. I got a knife. Mm-hmm. Leave those scissors in the drawer. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, man. I All really right, appreciate so, it. Speaking of knives and death and the whole theme of the show, what a which show. is really amazing. <laughs> uh, we actually have a, a weird Catholic stuff. What? You're never going to believe it. Really? Yeah. I've seen a lot of stuff, Paul George. Okay, well, let me. Let but me I've never it. seen this. Mm. That's pretty weird. You know, if Catholics weren't weird, you might have more of them. Just saying. I doubt it. it Just is, saying. It's what makes us big. Weird Catholic stuff! I think it's the weird stuff that, like, makes the church huge. Because you can't make this stuff up. Like, this is miraculous, crazy, you know, like, out of the world. Like, it, it, it it's unhuman. Some it's of true. the stuff that we talk about. Like, it's just, like, whatever. But with the theme of, you know... Halloween and all saints and all souls and yada, yada, the craziness of this week. What do you got? All right. So one weird thing about the church that kind of needs to be recovered is this movement of memento mori. This is is your opinion it should be recovered or you uh, just think like... It's both my opinion, but also saints are encouraging people to memento mori, which is Latin for remember your death. Mm. But it's a a whole movement. Say that again. Memento, memento mori. Remember okay. your death. Okay. All right. Or like give mind to your death. Now at Ash Wednesday, like we, you know, we get <clears throat> smoked with some ashes. It's all about remembering our yeah. death. And here we are, you know, all Souls. Well, all Souls Day. Yeah. You remember know, the dead. Yeah. But also remember your own death. Right. Which is really what we spend the rest of November doing. I mean, the the readings in the church calendar end with the Lord coming back again. The end of time. We're supposed to be thinking about the end. So instead of no shave November, we'll do like Memento Mori November. Yeah, <laughs> Memento Mori May. I don't know. You're gonna die November. Yeah, <laughs> no more life November. Um, but that's not completely strange. What the church has done over the two thousand years history of this movement, which comes and goes, it ebbs and flows. Mm-hmm. Some of it's pretty weird. Uh, I think probably one of the weirdest things is the practice of literally putting someone's skull. On your work desk, like a real skull, like a real skull. Now this this is medieval and prior, um, where they didn't make like fake skulls. You know, they just you grabbed a real skull and you put it on your desk. And when you did your work every day, it was there looking at you, so Mm -hmm. that you remember that you're gonna die too. Now we've talked on the show before, probably last year, about the Bone Church in Italy, which I think you've been to. Mm -hmm. But um, that's a memento mori, like. Monument. That's like the monument throughout the world of Memento Mori, which is it's literally a church decorated with bones, and the the engraving when you walk in is um, what they are, what they once were. You are, 
what they are now you will be, mm. which is dead, <laughs> right? So this idea, this idea of remembering your death. Um, but different practices, uh, this, is, this is where things like Halloween, some of the practices of Halloween came from. It's, it's ca- <clears throat> Catholic, like dressing up as skeletons, dressing up as dead people. It's not so much a horror thing. Like, for example, um, the Dias de la Muerte, I think I'm saying that right, but out of Mexico, and it's uh, praying for the dead, which around All Souls Day, for sure, but also dressing up as dead people to remember that we're going to die too. It's the same idea. It's, it's um, facing death, in mm-hmm. other words. Let's look, let's look at it square in the face and um, in a way celebrate that we're going to die so we all have to face it annually. So that's, that's some weird stuff. To so that we're, you know, it's, it's sort of like practice in a sense of like, say you're playing like a high-level stakes game, mm-hmm. okay? Um, you practice enough so when you get to the game it just feels natural and normal like you're not like yeah you might be a little nervous you might have a little anxious because the game is is high stakes so i've played in a championship game or whatever but you've practiced so much like everything you've practiced just becomes very natural to the game right Mm -hmm. you're not worried about like your throw or your swing or your run like it's just all enters it like the the remembrance of of death and the way and the reason that the church celebrates it one yes it certainly reminds us but like there the more and more that we embrace it and think about it, like we're, we're not, we don't live in fear of it yet. Yeah, we're going to have anxiety and worry about it, but it's not going to occupy our minds and our hearts. Like the reality is this is like, should the remembrance of our death bring us uh, desolation or should it bring us consolation, joy and peace? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's the weird aspect of the movement is that according to, what might seem most natural in us, we don't want to die. And that's, that's an animal instinct. It makes sense, right? Like hmm. preserving life is kind of what animals do. It's what we do. Right. We have babies. We keep them alive. We try not to die. And then we repeat generation after generation. <laughs> right. So there's something kind of not unnatural because humans are not just animals. And we can't be reduced to just what We're is animalistic. We're created to live and thrive for sure. <clears throat> but there's something beyond this world about remembering our death. And that call to do that. Only humans can do that, right? Like dogs aren't going to sit around eating their food saying, you know, one day this is all going to end. Mm. <laughs> yes. It's well, a very human thing to do. It's rough. It's all. all you like wow. that? That's that, pretty good. That's a dad joke that you would have. You got it. Yeah. Okay. So like people would have a skull on their desk or whatever at work or in their, you know, <laughs> yeah. their board. <laughs> yeah. If you could have any one skull, this is, sounds crazy. So oh, let's man. just think of saint then. So it doesn't sound as crazy. Well, and, and that's related. That's one of the reasons we have bone fragments of saints. It's the same thing. It's relics. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And we celebrate all saints, and like we celebrate their lives, and we hold on to their bones, you know? Mm-hmm. What skull? You can choose one. Whose skull would you have just sitting on your desk? I think I would... That it would remind you of death and joy. Like, right, it, right. Like, it, 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 like it, this isn't... should move us to live in this constant like depression and desolation. Like right, that's right. not the whole point. The point is like there's life after like, yes, like this is beautiful. I know it's crazy. It's a mystery, but I would probably off the cuff hmm. want uh St. Louis Martin's skull. Really? Yes. Uh, because for me, putting that skull on my desk would be to remind myself every day to actually do what I'm supposed to be doing so that when I face death, I can... Talk to me about St. Louis Martin. What is it? 
Well, of all the people I've known, Saint Wise, um, to me, he's the he's the best mirror of what I should be doing. So, husband, father, mm. um, living in the modern world. Um, there's just a lot of. He has a big beard. There's just a lot of correlations mm. that convict me. Like. You know what's crazy is like of the thousands of saints, like mm-hmm. that was the first one that came to my mind. Really? Yeah. You're I, kidding. No, I've been having like a specific, um, you know, specific sort of relationship with him since I wrote the book, mm-hmm. Holy Grit. He, mm-hmm. he took over a chapter. You just took it over. And he wasn't in the original manuscript. Mm-hmm. And the, I found, you know, kind of fell in love with him, read about him, and I was like, this dude needs a whole chapter. And I've been having a devotion to him, mm-hmm. you know, as of late, and really kind of just praying specifically for his intercession for me as a, a husband and father. And, you know, he was a married guy. He was a saint. So, wow. I, I'll give you credit for that one. Wow. So we each thought of the same skull. Well, he's, he's top of my mind. I don't know if I'd have his skull, <laughs> but I definitely. I would show it off to my friends for sure. Hmm. Like, hey, come check out. Yeah. St. Louis skull here. Um, yeah. Well, okay. I mean, I would... So, so the skull thing is is the weird traditional thing. We used to have skulls on crucifixes. I don't know if you've seen this, but this was this was a common thing where if you got a crucifix in your home mm-hmm. or something like that, there was a skull with bones at the bottom. Now, it, it, there's a double meaning there. Of course, the crucifixion took place on Golgotha, the place of the skull. Mm. Okay. Right? So that it's symbolizing that. But it became a focal point to not only gaze upon the Lord and his passion, but then look down and see your passion in the future, right? Like your death. And so this practice of thinking about my death in connection with the Lord's death is memento mori. We, it used to be more prominent through the crucifixion, through our, people's crucifixes in their homes had a skull at the bottom to re, not only meditate on Jesus's death, but your death. Um, we don't really do that as much anymore, but if you've ever seen old crucifixes with the skull, that's why. Mm. So much so that St. Alphonsus Liguori, in his Way of the Cross, intentionally connects the death of Christ to meditating on my death. So if you, if you pray that, Stations of the Cross, with St. Alphonsus Liguori, there's Memento Mori all up in there. Mm. And the last weird thing I'll share that Catholics Please do... Please do. I mean, here we are. ...is literally, this might shake up your prayer life okay. this, this November, literally meditating on your death. And what I mean by that is whatever you normally do with scripture, like if you get you a cup of coffee and you have a seat and you do your, whatever your routine is. That is part of my routine. You hit the adoration chapel, like wherever you're meditating on scripture, add your death to the list of things to meditate Mm, on. Sounds fun. And you literally think about what you know about your death or don't know, what you want it to be like, Mm. what you, who you want at your side in heaven at your death, who Mm. you want at your side in life at your death. And that meditation can become quite fruitful. Now that our listeners are depressed, <laughs> you switch from coffee to to an alcoholic beverage by the end of the show. Like, hey, I'm gonna die. It is weird, Catholic stuff, but it's uh, it's reality. It's helpful. It's yeah. true. You know, I think of a skull that I would have on my desk. Like, I I would want one of the original apostles. Oof. How about? I mean, how about St. Paul? I know he's so, not one of the 12, but he's... He's the 13. Yeah. You know? He, yeah. I would go St. Paul as like, yeah, like my original gangster 
you know, here's the skull. He is OG. Because if somebody walked into your office or your room, you'd be like, hey, that skull's kind of weird. <laughs> and I'd be like, well, yeah, it's actually the skull of St. Paul. They would walk out, yeah. Or they'd be like, what? <laughs> How did you get that? Now, if you found the skull of St. Paul in today's market, that skull would be worth millions of dollars. Now, you can't sell relics. It's against right. the law. Right. The church law, right? I don't know. Yeah, if it's, no, it is. I don't know if it's legal law, church law. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, you can't sell something you don't own, so that's illegal. Okay, and so you don't privately own a relic, but yeah, in the underground market. Oh yeah, like if you stole a painting and you sold it underground. So you're not which suggesting I've never that this done, happens, by yeah. the way. But if you yeah. did have the skull of St. Paul <laughs> and needed the money, and just like sold it on the underground market, fifty million. I mean, it would be Easy. like yeah, it would be much more than any autograph. Of like a Hall of Famer or anything. Yeah. Yeah, 50 million. That, that's what's crazy to me about the church too is that the glory everyone's chasing on earth, if you just live the holy life, like the glory that awaits us in heaven, even on earth, right? The glory St. Paul's experiences on earth mm-hmm. because he's ran the race and won the crown, as he said, he now is glorified in heaven and on earth mm-hmm. forever. Like there's no more rational way to chase fame and glory than to simply give all the glory to God and become a saint. You know, it's kind of manly with these, and it, it could be non-manly for all the ladies out there, but you know, this is sort of a weird thing to think about is uh, since we're talking about this is would you live a life worthy of God to where somebody would want your skull? <laughs> <laughs> like chew on that. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, are, is your life skull worthy? Is your, is your life skull worthy? Like, at the end of my life, will somebody want my skull on their desk? You're like, yeah, that's the skull of Deacon Adam Conk. He was a holy man of God. He did the best he could. <laughs> Sounds weird, man. Like, we're talking about it, but, like, if you think about it, like, in your terms, like, it's, like, you know, it's kind of crazy. But, like, the ultimate goal for us is to, like pursue sainthood and i know mm-hmm. that's crazy because we think oh perfection we're not perving no heaven like we're just we're moving forward and i always tell people like even in my own life like am i just inching along forward am i trying to get better am i trying to love god more am i getting rid of the old and moving into the new this doesn't happen overnight and mm-hmm. it doesn't come always natural and easy and the reason we have confession and the sacraments because we fail right like we mm-hmm. and and the more that we just grind through that and we're we're just inching along forward. That's the pursuit of holiness. That's the pursuit of sainthood. It, it's, it's not these great achievements and these huge leaps forward. It's, mm-hmm. it's, this, it's this dedication to say, I'm looking forward and I'm inching along. That's it. Yeah. Well, you mentioned earlier how kind of uh, dressing up as skeletons or whatever, you're kind of like getting familiar with death. It's like a dress rehearsal for the moment. That is one of the secrets of the saints. Um, the most important moment of our life will be the last moment. Like mm. That's the defining moment. And the amount of love we have for God and neighbor, the, the level of our charity, mm. is the most important thing about that moment. And so anything I'm going to do today should be preparing for that moment to have as much love of God and neighbor as possible. And for the vast majority of us, we don't know when that moment is coming. And uh, we need to admit that. I mean, I could, I could die today. You could die today. There could be snakes, pythons outside the studio as we walk out. We don't know, you know? 
Um, and that's the whole point of remembering your death is that what's the most important thing about your death? How much you love God and neighbor. And right now, living my life means I'm preparing to make that gift of my life like Jesus did, who did, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit at the moment of his death. That was the most important moment of his life. Hmm. It wasn't the healing. It wasn't the preaching. It wasn't the teaching. It wasn't anything as important as saving our souls by sacrificing his life on the cross. You see what I'm saying? Like the, the, the gift was incomplete until that moment. He said, it is consummated. It is finished. The gift of his life found completion in that moment. And so it is for you and me. We can do a lot of great things in this life or a lot of very little things. I mean, we could live a very humble life that God calls us to live where no one knows who we are or anything we said or did. Or God can call us to be like Mother Teresa, who's the most famous woman of the 20th century, even though she tried to live a humble life. Like, that's not important. What's important is preparing ourselves for that moment to make the complete gift of ourselves is everything. Because that's where our real life begins. It's true, man. For we better or worse. Celebrate a crazy lineup of saints this week, too, before we end this segment. Like <clears throat> um, St. Martin of Tours, St. Josephat. Yeah. He was a thin guy, though. Don't, don't spread rumors. St. Leo the Great. Truly great. Hmm. St. Didicus. Hmm. You know much about him? No. Yeah. He's, he's an interesting guy. Um, so, I mean, we always celebrate a great lineup during the week, but you know, it's a pretty cool lineup. Yeah. That is a cool lineup. Dedication of St. John Ladder and Basilica. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. That's the feast day upcoming. Yep. It's very cool. You know, St. Martin de Tours is the first saint canonized, not a martyr, like through a process. The first process of canonization we ever had. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the obvious people who weren't mortared got canonized, quote-unquote, right away, like the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Mm-hmm. Joseph. Like, Okay, sure. We started venerating them right away. But other than them, it was the martyrs that were the saints, the ones to be venerated. He was the first non-martyr. Like he, he yeah, he lived <clears throat> his life. Which I actually didn't realize. I'm looking right now. He's, you know, in the 300s. Yeah. So he's around, like, the time of St. Augustine. Yeah. And so... um Anyway, he was so ho- he was that holy that like, hey, we need to. I know he didn't die for the Lord, but there's something about this man that we need to imitate and promote and include him amongst that. And so, they invented a process to make that happen. That's cool, man. Great job, Saint Martin. Here's what's interesting: it says as <laughs> as death approached. You know, obviously, this is a crazy theme this week. Um, Martin's followers begged him not to leave them. It's a very natural human thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he prayed, St. Martin, Lord, if your people still need me, I do not refuse the work. Your will be done. Mm. So if they need me, keep me. If you need me, take me. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. It's a good prayer. Yeah. So, but he was along with St. Ambrose. I mean, he, dude, he's like a, he's like a, a real original. Yeah. And he was a miracle worker, performed miracles, um, a manly man, a soldier. Hmm. You think he had uh, a became a bishop? Think he had a grit knife? He probably didn't have one exactly like the one I'm holding. Probably better. Probably but made out of like skull. Probably had things on it like you know, elephant, or elephant tusk, things like that. Watch him, I click it again. 
There it is. It's impressive. <laughs> Don't cut yourself. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844 387 Eight five three three. That's Solidarity HealthShare eight four four three eight seven eight five three three. Welcome back to the show, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk. Show two, what? Nineteen two nineteen here. Whether you're listening on the podcast, feel free to share it. Uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. I don't know what all of them. I kind of have it on my phone. Yeah, sharing is Karen. <laughs> also share some feedback. We've been getting a lot of feedback lately. It's been awesome. Uh, you know? Email, text. Email, text. You know, whatever. In person. It's been great. Carrier pigeon. Uh, however you got to do it. Yeah. You go to pauljorge.la. That's easy to remember. Mm-hmm. Mm, you can hound me. Harass me. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good show. Um, it's just a crazy week, and I, you know, I was reminded this week. I'm glad I went. I went to mass, obviously on All Saints Day, but also went on All Souls Day, which isn't a holy day obligation. But I went, and the priest wears black vestments, which is cool because mm-hmm. you never see that. Maybe once a year, you know. I don't know. Yeah, that's the day, unless unless you go to a funeral and they wear black. But I mean, it's associated with death. Yeah, exclusively. So anyway, they, they had the. Uh, a plenary indulgence if you went to Mass, mm-hmm. which I don't fully get, but uh, it's hard for me to explain because it's mm-hmm. super complicated. Mm-hmm. I remember when I used to do the show with Father Sibley, mm-hmm. I could ask him all these random questions and he would know the answer. Mm-hmm. Or he wouldn't answer them just because he didn't want to answer them because <laughs> he was being funny. Yeah, I mean, a plenary indulgence, uh, the temporal punishment we get from sin is not necessarily forgiven in confession. The eternal punishment is. So temporal is like temporary. The eternal punishment is, which is separation from God in like through grace. Um, but there are certain temporal punishments, effects of our sins that are not necessarily forgiven through the sacrament of confession. They can be, but that depends on our reception of the sacrament. It's kind of like, um, like, Paul, you ever go to communion... And some days you're like really zoned in and mm. connecting with it, and some days you're not. You kind of catch yourself. That happens to me often. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, it's the rhythm. You're just kind of so used to what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's some kind of difference in grace, in the experience of grace, receiving well or not receiving well. Same thing with the sacrament of confession. Well, what happens if you don't receive well? Temporal punishments aren't necessarily... Uh, forgiven or dismissed, but your eternal eternal punishment is. So indulgences are simply the wiping away of that temporal punishment, which is a temporary um, effect of sin, mm-hmm. not eternal. It's not having to do with sanctifying grace necessarily, but it's things like wounds in my intellect, will, passions, things like wounds in my relationships with others, things like you know the, the wounds of sin, let's say. So indulgences take that away. It's amazing. The wounds of sin. I need that. 
I need that. I mean, Jesus' healing power and Holy Spirit can heal us of those things. Yes. And this grace that we get through the sacraments should usher that in more in our life, like the more that we allow it to. Yes, it's amazing on All Souls Day you can offer an indulgence for the dead. Any day of the year you could do this, but we're all encouraged on All Souls Day because that's why they're in purgatory is that there's some temporal punishment due to sin that they're paying off, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's some kind of wounds that are being healed up. Healed. There's some things that they owe people. We got to heal you up. Like, you know, this is our our Lord, when he taught about purgatory, this was so important to our Lord. He said, um, amen, amen, I say to you. You know that when I, that's, hey, listen up. Hey, hey, hey. Like when Jesus says that. Look at me when I'm talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) Look at me when I'm talking to you. Look it up. But um, he says, I mean, I say to you, well, at the end of this parable he gave that when you have a grievance against your brother and you go to worship at the temple, first reconcile with your brother, then offer your gift. Because if you don't, he will hand you over to the judge, the judge to the constable, the constable to the, wait, did I skip one? Anyway, and he'll throw you into prison. And here's, here's where he says it. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released till you pay the last penny. Hmm. All right. Wow. Now, what prison is he talking about? Is he talking about hell? Hmm. Well, no, because we, we... You can't pay yourself You can't leave hell, hell, right? Yeah, you're done. Is you, heaven ever described as a prison? You're done. No. No. So he's talking about some kind of state that you need to settle in this life because if you meet the judge and you haven't settled up, you're going to have to pay some kind of penny. And uh, yeah, so the Holy Souls in Purgatory are paying those pennies and those unresolved issues with their brother or sister or with the Lord. Hmm. And so we want to offer those intelligences to get them out, pay that last penny for them. Like, hey, hey here, buddy, here's a penny. Hmm. You know? That's awesome. Okay, I got a weird fact for you. Okay. Uh-huh. St. Didicus. Yeah. St. Didicus, everyone. We <laughs> celebrate November 12th. That's okay. soon. He was around at 1400 to 1463. He was not the smartest. He was kind of foolish. Became a saint. Uh, here's the fact Didicus means Diego. For real? You following me here? There's a city named after him. This guy. You're kidding. Specifically. Yep. yep. That is wild. Yeah. San Diego, California is named for this specific Franciscan who was canonized in 1588. Check that out. I did not know. So Didicus, Diego, I didn't know that either. That's what's so great about actually looking yeah. stuff up. <laughs> Reading, actually reading and studying. Yeah. But he became a saint, uh, just a simple Franciscan who was a missionary. And uh, it's interesting because we we talk a lot about the death and dying this week, like whatever, like and heaven, like the hope of heaven. But uh, as he was dying, Didicus, and you talked about the crucifix and like the bones and stuff. Didicus looked at a crucifix and said, Oh, faithful wood, oh, precious nails, you have borne an exceedingly sweet burden. For you have been judged worthy to bear the King, the Lord and King of Heaven. He had such a just devotion to the crucifix. See, that's what I'm talking about: meditating on your death, yeah. preparing your last words. Yeah, because if you don't prepare, like that guy was prepared. You like he thought about that at least twelve times before he, he said to, it. Because it's like a good practice swing. Like when you get up yeah. to swing at bat, like you know how to swing. I guess you know. I mean, you, you got a good point. Like, I guess at my death, I'd be like, I don't even know what to say <laughs> right now. Peace out. (laughs) Look at me. (laughs) What's up? Yeah, but like that, maybe have a prayer in your heart. Like that's a good man. That's a 
you got me. You got me. Well, that's why you meditate on your death. And obviously he had done that and gave great last words. I haven't seen too many people right before they died. My grandfather was one. His words were not as eloquent. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> they don't have to be so that's put right. together. That's right. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, <laughs> okay. But I think the prayer in our heart is like, what's the prayer in your heart? You know, because the scripture talks about, and I meditate on this all the time, is ultimately at the end of the day, of each day of moment of my life, like from the heart, the mouth speaks, mm-hmm. right? Jesus yeah. says that pretty clearly. So what comes out of my mouth is pretty much what's in my heart. So if I gossip or envy or say something or whatever, it's like, mm, that's kind of rooted somewhere, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. and I need to un- unleash, get that out, you know, I need to go to confession and. But from the heart, like my love for God, my my love for others, like that's what should come out, you know. And as I meditate, or as I'm be weak, or suffering, or dying, like what what is my prayer? The prayer on my heart, like that's deepest in my heart, you know. Well, and that's how you. I mean, that's the whole point. Saint Thomas Aquinas says any good action begins with the end in mind. So like, what is the end I'm going to accomplish before you do step one? Mm. So step one is really not step one. Step one is to think about what the last step is and then let the first step be the best step towards that last step. Prudence. Prudence. And when it comes to, you mentioned a high stake game earlier, there's no more high stakes than our eternal salvation. So when it comes to that, thinking of that last step, which is that moment of death, and think about what your prayer might be on your heart is a way not only to live that moment well, but this moment, this moment. the step I'm taking right now. Right. And like you said, it reveals our heart to us because mm. our heart is covered right now with pain, wounds, uh, distractions, um, inordinate desires, like all kinds of things are wrapped around our heart. Thinking about our death peels all that away to where we could just think, when I'm naked before God in judgment, what is the prayer I want to take with me? What is the last thing that matters to me? Mm. And that's a very important meditation because then it tells me today what matters to me the most, you know? And this is, it breaks my heart when Christians can't get along with each other in a way that's like a grudge or in a way that's like, I just, whatever. It's like, we forget about that moment. Do you want to take that to that moment? Hmm. Like, I get that this, this person you may not agree with or this or that, but is that the prayer in your heart that you want to bring to the Lord? You know, I don't want to take it to that moment. I don't want to take anything bad to the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to think bad about people or things. Or like, I just want to, yeah. Like, what's the prayer in my heart? Like, you know, I'm going to focus on that a lot. So, yeah. Well, and I was thinking about that two years ago when I was listening to the Lord say, um, to pray for your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Mm-hmm. I've always been of the, um, I don't know about you, but like, I guess earlier in my life, I don't know, I always think like, Jesus, I don't really have any enemies. I don't have any people mystery. We think, you know, I don't know who to pray for. But as I got older and got more responsibilities and, um, you know, in like different communities or whatever, like that prayer now means something more to me. Like there, you don't always get along with everybody. And sometimes people don't like you and they do mistreat you and they don't really care about what you have to say or think. Like that happens, you know? Right. And so I became grateful for the opportunity to pray for enemies not because i want but like you know but that enriched my prayer life so much because when i go to pray with the lord that's that's the first thing i bring up now is i call to mind did anyone mistreat me this past week Hmm. you know either because i think they did or they actually did usually it's because i think they did they didn't actually mistreat me right but i forgive those people before i start to pray Hmm. because i don't want to go to my death 
with any grudges. Yeah. That's literally what purgatory is for. Like, I don't want to go to purgatory on purpose. Yeah. I think the best thing we do, like, honestly, like with folks, with people, and I know it's hard, it's hard work, but sainthood and holiness is hard work is like, I think to myself, like by the end of my life, like I want to make amends with anyone that I've, that I've hurt or like even like unintentionally, mm-hmm. you know, the, and you know, when someone's going through recovery of the 12 step program, you know, of addiction, <clears throat> That's one of the steps is like make amends with the people that you've hurt because of your addiction. Yeah. But our addiction in in life is sin. Like we we're all we're incomplete, you guys. Like we're gonna hurt people, our our spouses, our kids, or whatever. And like we can start the hard work now of like repairing what we've damaged and and bring healing, you know, into our own hearts and to theirs. Even if those folks don't forgive us, it's fine. Like we're we do the work, you yeah. know. So like I just think like, yeah, I mean, I've, I just want to do that. I might not finish, but you know, I think I'm going to try, try to like make amends and like make things right. And like, just, yeah, just ask the Lord to like repair everything and move me forward. Because at the end of the day, like, this is the beauty we're talking about, like the hope of heaven. Like, I want to get there as soon as possible when I die. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I know I'm probably going to spend some time purging from my wounds, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I hope like hell's not an option. I don't want to just slide into purgatory like a lot of people say. Like, oh, let me just get there, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, well, no, like I actually want to rejoice in heaven longer. So like, let you, we can begin to purge now. Yeah, like, we begin to offer our pain and our suffering and healing and bring mercy and forgiveness and heal relationships. And then we actually purge less. I know that sounds crazy. No, I mean that, that is, that's what the saints get is that whatever suffering penances, um, whatever we can do in this life is minute compared to what would happen in purgatory. And if you don't understand that or believe that, like if, if avoiding suffering is a goal, right? Well, it's better to do that now. It's better to purge now. It's better to face your pride and your ego and your wounds now than in purgatory as far as how easy or how light. Because in this life, our Lord will match, you know, if we give a penny in that direction, he's going to give us a million dollars in that direction. When we give him a little cup of water in that direction, he's going to give us the whole living well in that direction. But in purgatory, like Jesus says, you have to pay the last penny like there's a there's a justice to it that is um brutal <laughs> but that's why we pray for them too because we can help in that uh journey but you said it you said it well i mean the all we can control is ourselves and sometimes the lord allows us the ability to heal and amend and reconcile relationships with people and sometimes we don't have that ability but regardless you know we if we want a heaven that God wants, we want everybody there with us. That's the heaven God wants. And when we exclude, like the old hymn says, um, where charity and love prevail, um, how does it put it? It basically says, no one can be excluded from charity, Hmm. right? Like real charity excludes no one. And this desire for everyone to be in heaven is God's desire. It must be my desire too. And so, I need to live in that space every day that everyone in my life, when I look at them, I see a future saint. I see someone that I want to fight for to go to heaven. I want to work for to make them as holy as possible because that's how God sees them. 
our love, our Lord loves the church and laid down his life for his bride, that it would be purified from every spot and wrinkle. And he would present this church to his father on that last day without spot or wrinkle in full glory. That's got to be my whole life. Hmm. And any squabbles or petty stuff in this life is just temporary. Like it's just today's squabbles. Amen. Preach it, brother. <laughs> Look at me when I'm well, talking thank, to you. Thanks for uh, reminding us of our death today, Paul. George. And life. And life. And hope. So great show, man. All saints, all souls, all Halloween. Thanks for the knife. This week, all the saints in heaven pray for us. So thanks for everyone for listening to the show. Feel free to share it. Be a part of it. Um, and yeah, great, great, great uh, time. Thanks, Deacon Adam Conk, for everything. And we will be back next week. God bless.